Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 24th is 2 Timothy. You can feel the loving heart that Paul has for Timothy as we read this, his second letter to his true son in the faith. Verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Do you have anyone whom you constantly remember in your prayers night and day? Makes me think of my mother, my grandmother, and other prayer warriors who are continually praying and contending in the faith for their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Surely I would not be who I am today if not for the prayers of my parents and my grandparents and others who, like Paul, loved someone enough to keep them on their mind night and day. Paul says, I remember your grandmother, Timothy, and your mother and the faith they had, and I know that you also have that same faith. Timothy must have come to some sort of a crisis of faith, or perhaps he was just sidelined by the enemy. Or else Paul wouldn't be talking about these things. And then in the very next verse, instruct Timothy to rekindle or fan into flame the gift of God that is in him through the laying on of Paul's hands. Paul had laid hands on Timothy and imparted to him some spiritual gift that at some point Timothy seems to have forsaken. That word that's often translated fan into flames. In the Christian Standard Bible, which I'm reading from today, it says to rekindle the gift of God that is in you. It's literally to take those glowing embers and fan them, to blow on them, to get them to become blazing once again. Timothy's fire had all but gone out, or at least the gift that Paul had imparted to him, whether it was preaching or some other spiritual gift, wasn't being used, it wasn't being fed, and it was just a glowing ember, not the raging fire that it was supposed to have been. That happens to people. Often when people are in their faith, especially young people, they are full of zeal. God is moving in them, and then through rejection and disappointment, unanswered prayers, or at least seemingly unanswered prayers, the call to ministry becomes more of a burden than a desire when people reject you because they disagree with you. When they say things like, it doesn't matter what the Bible says, this is what I believe. When people call you a false prophet, or when you pray for the sick and God doesn't heal them. When you share the gospel with the people you love and they reject it, or worse, make fun of you. When the people you once loved hanging out with ostracize you and continue doing the things you used to do with them, but now you are home alone and they're out doing those things. When you get filled with a hunger for God and His Holy Spirit fire is burning off the dross and impurities in your life, and you go to a new church to be surrounded by other people who also, you think, love God, 
only to find out that they don't really love God, not the way that you do. They aren't excited about it the way you are. They aren't excited about their faith the way you are. Some of the older ones might even say things like, enjoy this, but this faith that you're experiencing that's so new and exciting, it's not always going to be that way. Be prepared. You're going to be old and boring like we are someday. It's the path that we all take. And many of you, myself included, have become like Timothy at times, where we've been sidelined by disappointment, by peer pressure, by rejection from people in positions of authority. And God, as a loving Father, wants us to grow through these things. He'd love to protect us from that. He doesn't want to see his children be disappointed and have our feelings hurt. And yet we are in a fallen world. How do we best prepare our children for adulthood and also protect them from being hurt, from failing? How do we teach them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and keep going in their faith? That's a lot of what this letter is about from Paul to Timothy. Rekindle that fire, Timothy. Remember, don't forget the things that you loved at first, your first love. Don't forget how it felt when you were freshly born again and that joy you had, that huge faith you had to move mountains. Don't forget that. Go back to that. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner, Paul writes. I wonder if Timothy felt shame for having wasted months or potentially years. And Paul says he's saved us in verse 9 and called us with a holy calling. And it's not because of the things we've done. In other words, Timothy, don't worry. Don't focus on your mistakes, your shortcomings. Certainly don't focus on your wins either. Just focus on your calling. Focus on the one who called you. Fan that gift into a blazing fire and get busy doing the work that God has set before you to do. In chapter 2, Paul writes, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things you've heard from me, You share with other people, share them with faithful men who will also be able to teach others. And so we will exponentially expedite the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. Think about what I'm saying here. Consider this, Timothy. For the Lord will give you understanding in all of these things. Notice that Paul's not saying, trust me, believe me, believe as I did. He's saying, Consider these things that I've spoken of, and if you're not sure about any of it, pray and ask the Lord to make it clear to you. This is a key to spiritual growth and to unity. It's not our job to argue anybody over to our position or to our point of view. We share the truth and then encourage them to go to God themselves, to find what God is saying about that thing. And that way their faith isn't going to be in Paul or in David or in any other person. But if I open your perspective to a new way of thinking and you take it to the Lord and the Lord confirms that that's true, 
then you can speak as though you've heard it from the Lord himself. And with that, you'll have authority in your teaching. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Paul's word for it. Take Jesus' word for it. This saying is trustworthy. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Notice the stark difference between denying him and being faithless. I am sure even in Timothy's darkest hour, I know even in my darkest hour, after becoming a believer, after being born again, when I was out of the ministry and wondering if I would ever be back in a position of opening up the Bible for other people, I never denied that I knew him. I would never deny that he loved me and that he died and gave his life for me so that I could spend eternity with him. Timothy didn't deny him, but it seems as though his faith wore very thin, almost to the point of being faithless. Even when you're faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ dwells within you. His spirit is joined to your spirit. The two have become one, like a husband and wife when they are married. They're inseparable in the spirit, as well as they should be in the physical realm. Jesus, God, cannot deny himself. If you are a believer of his, he will never deny you. But if you deny him, you're on your own. But for those of us who love him, even when we find it so difficult to trust him, he remains faithful. What a kind and generous God we serve who understands everything we go through because he went through it himself. Yet he was without sin. Praise God. In chapter 2, verse 20, there's this example Paul uses of in a household, there are Items that are used for noble, special purposes, and then there are items that are used for very common purposes. The fine china is not like the paper plate, and the temptation would be for some of us to think, well, I'm not fine china, I am a paper plate. Use me once and throw me away. But in verse 21, Paul says, if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, or commonplace. Cleanse your life from all of the things that don't really belong there. He will be a special or honorable instrument, useful to the master for every good work. And so we see here, plainly, we are all given the opportunity to become the fine china, to be used for the noble purposes. If only we would cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles. And it's really up to us. Chapter 3 is often quoted today. Hard times will come in the last days. People will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness but denying its power. To deny there, denying its power, is really 
saying no to that power, repudiating it. From a place of unbelief saying, no, power, you don't belong here. Kind of like the people today who don't believe God will still do miracles. No, denying that power. I believe in God. Of course, I believe he can do miracles, but he doesn't do that anymore. And so by lack of faith, they deny the godliness. They deny the power of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is perfect and he is unchanging. And he relates to us in very much the same way he related to the apostles in the book of Acts. He is still a God of miracles. People who deny that are reading books and they're always learning, but they're never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Once again, judge the fruit. Have you read all of these thick, systematic theology books and your life is still exactly as it was? You still struggle with hidden sin? You're still not making converts? Or when you do make converts, their lives are not made holy either? We are not following a gospel of words, but one of power. We are not given a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and a sound mind. But keep in mind, there will be persecutions. All who want to live a godly life will be persecuted. All who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. After three chapters of motivation and understanding and encouraging Timothy, chapter four begins with a solemn charge Literally, I solemnly charge you, Timothy, before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and because of his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. A time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but they will look for speakers who tickle their ears. But not you, my friends. You hunger for the truth that is in Christ Jesus, the full truth, the gospel of power. And for that reason, I thank God for you. God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey through the word with me. We'll see you tomorrow.